Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Eric. And you are due for a sharpening. Seven. Did it again. It flipped again. We're not having computer. I got issues. it last time. I mine went mine went five and then stopped. Yeah, that's what mine did too. No yeah. issues whatsoever. But we are technically recording, so now we're live. We're live yeah. on the air. Get the red Once dot. It gets uploaded to the internet. Right. Yeah, the red, the little red. That's why I want to put a. A red, red bulb light. in the back, and I'll just tie a string to it. I'll like <laughs> pull with my foot, there and then go. everyone will think that yeah, we're on live on the BBC. Hello, yeah. my fellow hockey fans. Oh, an old goal horn would be, or a goal light would be sweet. A steam whistle. Sure. Hey, maybe, maybe the first goal horn was some sort of steam operated, you know, whistle device i back bet when everything was. was uh steam and coal the zamboni ran on coal the skates were made out of coal <laughs> you know sticks were made out of zambonis yeah zambonis were steam whistles <laughs> and there's just no one even needed to play you know yeah it, everything was figured out hey today apparently is the 105th anniversary of the first two games ever played did see that uh, under the umbrella under the subset of the National Hockey League. So in 1917, there were two matchups, all Canadian teams, correct? All Canadian. Two of them don't even exist. Was it the Montreal Wanderers and the Toronto Arenas? Sorry to say yes. Toronto, like I'm not from the Midwest. Toronto is how I usually say it. Yeah, yeah, the arenas. Trying to enunciate. Yeah, the Toronto Arenas. What a name. Which Something got mixed. That's definitely Zambonis were made of sticks. <laughs> they, they, people think they got it all wrong. You name right. the team after the building they're not playing in because they probably played outside even at yep. that point. And then uh, the Canadians played the Ottawa Senators. And that was the mm -hmm. Ottawa Senators before they folded and then came back, you know, years later. So that's the whole, if anyone doesn't understand the original six concept of the NHL. It actually wasn't the original, original six. There weren't six original teams to begin with, but there was like the golden era of there being six teams for, I don't know, 30, 40 plus years. Yeah. Those That's what that we know. That's why it's so exciting to get that call from a general manager from one right. of those teams. It was also your coach and the owner and the captain and the, and the player, <laughs> Reggie Dunlop. Yeah, it yeah. was always just Reggie Dunlop. Yeah, I bought dad a shirt for Christmas that it says Chiefs on the front and it says Dunlop 7 on the back. I thought it was oh, going nice. to be, it looked nicer on the website and it's just some like old, you know, really thick, hardcore cotton t-shirt that you don't see these days. Everything's that real nice, like American apparel, you know, this thing is just, it's got, wear it while you paint a house yeah. written all over it. I'm sure he'll love that, honestly. Yeah, he'll love it. So I thought it was pretty cool. And I'm really glad that this this episode is going to air the day after Christmas. So yeah, perfect. we're not ruining yeah. anything at this point. Right. right. 
Yeah, but uh, now my my uh, washing machine smells like paint because I think the guy printed them right after I ordered them. Oh, I thought you were going to say because you painted a house in it. Because I already painted a house with them. Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, yeah, hockey certainly has come a long way since that those two games were played all those years ago, right before Christmas. I don't think they were jumping in front of pucks the way they do now back then. No. Because uh, I, I mean, they didn't exactly lift the puck either. Yeah, so, that's what they used to say. Yeah, for how many years? Was, what, like into the 60s almost, right? Just keep the puck on the ice for the most part. Yeah, I think it was like, um, I remember one dude was, this is a guy from like the late 1800s. And there's a quote of him bragging about, you know, back in those days, those were the days of real athletes. Because if you played hockey, you were like, you know, silver spoon up your ass your whole life. Yeah. Princeton player strictly amateur probably like a cycling champion and a roller skating champion and you could throw like the stick really far whatever that's called yeah that's probably part of roller skating right and uh but yeah he said uh i think it was i forget his name but um he said back in those days the puck when we passed the puck never left the ice so i mean imagine playing today trying to strictly keep the puck on the ice Oh yeah, and getting the puck where you want it to be. I nope. mean, the NHL more than anything today is all about you know the the big scoop banks off the off the glass to get it out of the zone. I mean, the puck is on; it's in the air just as much as it's on the ice, yeah. if not even a little bit more. It's constantly in the air. So yeah, well then you know people perfecting the saucer pass and not just chipping off the boards, but chipping it up the middle trying to catch guys on a breakaway. Yeah. Knocking it out of the air. Yeah. Just so many instances of exactly the opposite of what that dude was talking about. Right. But I don't know if like, what were the, I don't know if there was a rule. I doubt there was a rule. Though, if the puck leaves the ice surface, well, you know, Eric, you are frozen as fuck. I hope you're not saying anything right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there fantastic. you are. Yep, it is I'm cold back. outside. <laughs> that pre-storm weather just marinating in that good old free college proximity internet. <laughs> I wish I could say that's what the problem was. <laughs> oh, oh, you, yeah. you, you, have, you, you have, so you hear ours as bees. Yes, yeah, I understand. So, hey, do you see? Uh, speaking of blocking shots, Evgeny Malkin is uh, another. Yet another name on the list of guys who have gone down with injury this year from getting hit by a damn puck. A little bit worse for wear after that one. Granted, he scored the goal, so that, I guess, is somewhat of a consolation. But, hey, that's what we're taught, right? Right. No pain, no gain. So if you don't get hit with a puck and it really hurts, no goal. Yeah. It doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count. Yeah. Sure, he'd much rather just score that with his stick. I'm sure he was trying to. Yeah. That was a tough one. This is a nice shot by Sid. Sid with the clapper. Yeah. For some reason at the much. point. I haven't been watching the Penguins much this year. Not that I ever do. But um, I don't know. Are they retooling their power play where Crosby is playing left point? Or maybe he was just up there. He got the pass from, is it Latang? Even though he just had a fucking stroke. He's back though. That, yeah, dude, that's his crazy. fucking stroke. That's his second fucking stroke yeah. of his career, I believe. That's crazy. 
Yeah. And he's wow. back. Like, I don't know you what the hell's two- going on. But. Yeah. So I'm obviously glad the guy's okay. Cause yeah, he seems to uh, enjoy not being debilitated. Right. <laughs> he's doing a good job of being a, one hell of a human specimen and an athlete. Great player for that team. Yeah. You know, you get really blessed when you have that, uh, that little core like that, like they, those guys do. And Latang's certainly a part of it. And they've lasted for so long too. Yeah. And even if, you know, they keep trying, right. They, you have that experience at this point. It's like, you know, you retool just enough and then the stars align and you know how hard it is to win the Stanley cup. I mean, I mean, hypothetically, oh, yeah. personally, we personally know how hard sure. it is. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, it's uh, they still could do it because of their core and their experience. Yeah. Well, the one, the downside of that for any team is just like the wings with Ken Holland. Thank you very much. Was uh, our total downfall was trying to keep our core retooled for as long as possible. And then you have no draft picks and you have no depth for five plus years. Yeah. And then you get, you know, I appreciate the streak the playoff streak that was, it got to that nice round number 25, you know, looks great on a banner or something. Round but, number. I mean, he was, he was doing stuff at the end that was like, it was literally just to extend the playoff streak. Yeah. So you trade, you know, you get two new dudes at the trade deadline and uh, you give up a lot of, you mortgage your future quite a bit, give up a lot of collateral. To get yeah, those guys and then you fizzle picks. out. So, you know, the David Leguans. There was a thing the other day on Instagram. It was like, name any, name a random Red Wing. So then you go back and you're like, yeah, there's a lot of random there ass Red Wings out there. Yeah. David Leguan was one of those guys. Uh, Eric Cole, he broke yeah. his neck. Yeah. So we didn't get a lot out of him. Villy Leno. Villy Leno. He was like the Damian Brunner situation. Like, yeah. You know, he could have uh, stayed nice, good third line type extra attacker, extra scorer in the wings a little bit and see where he could go. But back then there was, you know, it was like New Jersey and Buffalo and the Oilers, Jersey, Buffalo, Edmonton, Jersey, Buffalo, Edmonton, like the tides and the corn in winter and the salmon of Capistramo, (laughs) they signed guys who had like light flashes of decency to these monster contracts. And then the dude would leave and then he'd fizzle out and they'd, you know, they'd buy him out and they're still paying some of his salary at this point. Yeah. It's like, uh, Steven Weiss, how's that for a random random? Oh, shit, Carlo yeah. Koliakovo. Forgot we had him. I always forget that we had Mike Madonna for a half a season. Everybody forgets that. And, yeah. You know, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He fucking cut his wrist open with this, some other player skate on some yep. freak accident. Very like freak. severed missed, all the like, tendons in his wrist. Yeah. He missed cool. like uh I mean not that's not cool. <laughs> like Madonna was cool. Move on. No, that that <laughs> wrong, sweet. wrong yeah. drop in word no. there. <laughs> yeah. He press the little laser beam button or something instead of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Interesting. He missed too much time and then um, the coach of the Red Wings at the time was a real like psychological terroristic dickhead. Um, and Madonna had, he was like seven games away from hitting 1500 career games, 
which is a lot of fucking games yeah. in the NHL, right? And uh, he, he, yeah, when he when he was healthy, he came back, and the coach, Mike Babcock, yeah, thank you very much, uh, scratched him through the rest of the season. He finished with fourteen ninety nine. Could have given oh, him. He had seven dick. seven opportunities to give him that one last game, and he didn't. And then he retired yeah. after that year. Can you fucking believe that? Yeah, same shit in a different way that he did the Chelios. Uh, There's all kinds of shit with yeah. that. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Like Malkin, we were talking about him blocking that shot and, and getting hurt. Does it seem like more guys are going down with injuries this year that could be prevented if more padding was added to the players as like in a mandatory sense? Madonna getting that wrist slice is revisited this year by Evander Kane yeah. getting the same sort of injury. And he's out for a really long time. What, like four months? Yeah, at least. You know, a really deep wrist cut by uh Yeah, that's scary. Very uncool. Very yeah. uncool. There Thank you. you. Uncool. There, there's the, there's there's the rhetoric the clip. we need. Uh-huh. But, yeah, if, uh, if guys were wearing cut-proof uh, clothing, which exists today. You know, TJ Oshie's got that yeah. Warroad company. I know it's a comfort thing. I know it's guys do something their whole career and you don't want to change it. All the way down to, you know, do okay, you wear a long sleeve shirt under your shit and someone else doesn't, all right? So now they're going to ask you or demand, rather, mandate that you wear a long sleeve shirt under your shit. So a skate can't cut your wrist because, you know, this Kevlar cut proof sleeve is now up to your hands and your gloves and all that stuff. I mean, I would say anybody that that happened to would probably go back and be like, yeah, I, I would trade wearing a shirt yeah. for that not happening. Just like anything else. I think people until it happens to them, they think it can't happen to them or it's not that big of a deal if it did. Right. It know? would be fine overall. Right. But maybe that's just that that's the whole thing. It's a combination of those things, those aspects of the, the mindset that you just like, eh, I keep humming along and, you know, I'll cut that wrist when we get to it. Right. And uh, then that happens. But um, should the NHL mandate that there's like pad more pad protocol on players so less guys get hurt, uh, whether it's skates, skates are a pretty freak thing that that's not very common. But um pucks pucks big time yeah i mean detroit this year has lost uh like serious time at, at least like four dudes to injury from getting hit with the puck they're like elmer sodablom broke his foot and or ankle and uh, whatever but he wasn't wearing the shot blockers that right. are obviously discretionary by the players whether they want to wear them or not but like karsten camps was saying on the episode about uh, Northern Michigan, their college team, they're all mandated to wear their skate blockers. Yeah. They just don't want guys getting hurt. So, like, what is the big deal? Why would a player in the NHL opt not to put those things on their skates? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because, I mean, as far as, like, the skate, the cut-proof shirts and stuff, if I were at any higher of a level than I am at right now, which is about as low as it can get, yeah, way <laughs> down there. Mm -hmm. uh, I would certainly wear as much cut proof stuff because, like, it's thin. It's a thin layer of Kevlar that they sew inside of these shirts. 
and they have the ones that um, have the built-in neck guard into the shirt, so it's just like a little turtleneck, the tactile neck. Um, <laughs> I invented the turtleneck. <laughs> so I would definitely wear that stuff. I don't really understand why more guys don't because it is such a a non-issue as far as I am concerned. As far as like bigger padding, shin pads, elbow pads, all that stuff, I could totally see the argument of why you wouldn't want to and even skates just making them bulkier with shot blockers. And, but ultimately, you know, you do something for long enough, you get used to it. So yeah. I think it's just a matter of figuring out what is your threshold for not being too bulky and still getting the job done the way you want. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, uh, they're creatures of habit, of course, uh, especially being professionals, you know, you got to right. do the same thing day in and day out. And, you know, they always say like, you got to figure out how to uh, how to enjoy it. If you can enjoy it, a lot of guys don't like the grind, but they push through it because that's the pro game, right? Yeah, uh, that's here nor there. But um, they're creatures of habit. My point is, is that they're also very adaptable. I mean, that's the the right. game. They throw new rules at you every single season. They they try to do all these things to create more scoring, and then generally it takes a you know chunk of the season, and the teams adapt and turns right back into the same old game it's always been sometimes it's high scoring sometimes it's really low it just depends hockey games take on uh a nature and a, a brain all their own every every single one with the fresh right. drop of a puck you never know what's going to come at you you know um so teams the really good ones learn how to win anyway right that's that's what they always say is that they can beat you in any kind of game you want to play you want to play physical we can we can do that uh you want to play fast skill we can do that you want to do bog down with special teams we we got that too you know so the really good quality teams that are perennial contenders they can do all that stuff and that's because players can adapt so yeah you could totally adapt to more protective padding we're going to take a quick break, and while we're away, we wanted to remind you that you can follow Do For A Sharpening on Instagram and also get more information and details about previous episodes on our website at doforasharpening.com. Finally, it's the holidays. You can give us the best present ever by rating our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or however you're listening to us, and maybe even leave a written review. All of those help us get more traction and be recommended to other listeners just like you. And now, back to the episode. We got to show a picture of this, but uh, Craig Ludwig was a player in the NHL for a long time. And uh, he was renowned for like starting, really starting shot blocking as an art. And um, you could see it because he, there are pictures of his shin pads that. I don't even know how to describe them, but when you first see them, you think it's a joke. Like someone went into Photoshop and like stretched them out. But I mean, he had reinforced paddles. They really do. I guess if you took like a big kayak paddle, right. And you cut it off the rod. (laughs) That's what it looks like. He had stapled onto the top of his shin pads. So what they did is they covered way more surface area. So it's like he turned the shin pad into a mini fucking goalie pillow, right? Which is smart considering today nobody seems to do that and everybody is 
required to block shots. Well, that's what's weird to me too, is with the growth of shot blocking as such a norm and yeah, it's uh, required and expected of everyone on any team in the NHL. The padding has actually gone down as far as protectiveness. Yeah, it's streamlined. It's a lot smaller to make the game as fast as possible, or at least to keep up with the game as it gets faster. And with all that, somehow shot blocking has gotten more popular and more necessary, and the equipment is worse than it's ever been for that regard. Right. They've they're, they've never been further away from Craig Ludwig's giant kayak paddle. Yeah, shin for pads. sure. Which, by the way, if you look at Craig Ludwig and you say the name Craig Ludwig out loud, there's never been a person more geared, excuse the <laughs> pun, that name. towards shot blocking in yeah. Oh, yes. hockey. Oh, that yes. dude blocks shots. If you saw someone walking down the street like that, you'd be like, that fucker blocks shots. <laughs> Seriously, Craig Ludwig must be along the lines of his name, his Christian name, <laughs> Craig Ludwig. <laughs> With that blonde mullet. There's a great quote about him and those pads. He says, those pads were given to me on the first day of training camp at the University of North Dakota. He said, there was nothing special about them. I just hate new things. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) That's, if you know, if you see the way he looks, that's exactly what he would say as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was, um. There's another player back when he was playing, when Ludwig was playing, named, uh, if you guys remember, his name was Ken Klee. Yeah. Also a great <laughs> random what hockey player name. name. Ken Klee, right? Ken Klee. I, I don't remember the context exactly, probably because I didn't fucking read it. Uh, <laughs> but it was like someone, someone said that Ken Klee was the king of blocking shots, but then Ludwig came in and said, no, Ken Klee was the king of having his shot blocked. <laughs> so Ludwig must wow. have been in his old division or something because, I mean, th- I mean, there'd have to be, if, if you are like a record holding shot blocker in the NHL, there'd be like tracking Ovechkin's goals versus goalies. You know how they do that right. shit lately? Because always on 800 and hasn't quite beaten. Mr. Hockey yet, but it'll happen. But anyway, you you'd have to have like the the guys that you've blocked the most shots off of, right? And if you play like 16, 17 years in the NHL, you would just know that. You just remember it. Right. You know, I blocked oh, yeah. most <laughs> shots off of that dude. Yeah. That dude is just his pucks had a magnet for my big old yeah. Ken Clee. Yeah. Ken Clee. <laughs> I want to run with that so bad. <laughs> Can clean. Clay and clean. Craig Ludwig and Trey and So, Clee. <laughs> you know, the worst part about Ludwig being this uh, vanguard when it comes to blocking shots is it wasn't even like a recognized thing when he was playing. And it certainly wasn't tracked yet in the right. NHL. When they start tracking shots, two thousand five, yeah. Right after so yeah, lockout. he was he was well out, well out of the league by then. So uh, now they say it's uh, Chris Russell play for the Stars. That sounds right. Or am I thinking of Roussel? Either way, who gives a shit? Gone. He's dead now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
He's but uh, he 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 was uh, deemed uh, best or most prolific shot blocker since they started uh, counting those. So CCM made him a beautiful pair of silver shin pads, a lot like uh, those sticks that guys make when they reach, you know, right. like 20 minutes or whatever the fuck it is. Which yeah. you never see guys use those silver sticks, but I wouldn't put it past a crazy man that steps in front of 100 mile an hour slap shots. To wear silver shin pads. Yeah, you'd be way more likely to see that dude rocking those. Maybe that's what the NHL should do. Right. Because if you want less wear. injuries, everyone has to use silver sticks. Right. And everyone also has to use silver shin pads. So no flex. Gloves yeah. and helmets. It'd just be 10 dudes laying on the ice because they can't Not move. moving. let's just play hockey in in like ancient you know medieval armor right then no one will fucking get hurt i'm gonna be a but then you'd have to give them swords and horses the horse can't run very well on the ice get rid of the ice there's no hockey anymore it's just not (laughs) you know how you protect guys from getting hurt you know you prevent guys from getting hurt make them sword fight Right, exactly. <laughs> there, problem solved, Batman. You want to stop getting hurt playing hockey? Yeah, be a be a knight, be Go an sword old fight. knight from Joust. from uh, from olden times. Yeah, the olden and, times. Uh, put a gander up your frock. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yay, kind true. <laughs> um, so <laughs> this is going great. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, good time. Oh, fuck. How art thou, Ken Clee? Mm-hmm. Um, I challenge you to a duel. <laughs> You're all so, um, yeah, I think it would make sense that guys at the highest level in the world would do anything they could to get the upper hand, especially in a game that is uh, really prone towards speed because you can't clutch and grab and you can't slow guys down. You can't fucking even touch them, right? In fact, you're getting such chintzy penalties lately. You're seeing players tell the referee (laughs) that nothing happened. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, that's happened before too. Ovi's done that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just cla- call it class off. Act, but your coach would be like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't yeah, care right. what it looked like. That's the ref's problem. Yeah, who we, gives a we shit? go to a power play like that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not nice. We went to a power play on a chintzy call. Fuck that. Yeah. Especially a guy whose bread and butter is scoring on the power play. But yeah. Kale McCarr the other day, too. Kind of got wiped out, blew a tire behind the net and told yeah. the ref there was no call. Can you do <laughs> that? I didn't realize you could just say, hey, Apparently. no, thank you. When they didn't actually fact, know what happened, box. when they didn't see what happened, you can just convince them that it wasn't actually a penalty, which is funny because I saw an Instagram post the other day. I think it was yesterday talking about um, Zabanajad in front of the net, like I don't, late in the third, got tripped very similarly, but it actually was a trip. And someone, the first comment was, man, he should have told the refs that he got tripped. yeah we need to start using that one yeah that's like uh i just gotta find a cop and be like hey i lost like ten thousand (laughs) dollars you have it yeah please go find it from anyone for me right (laughs) 
And yeah, speaking of money and stuff. But yeah, the guys would, uh, they would do anything to get the upper hand. And if that means that, you know, shedding some weight via uh, equipment, peeling it off a little bit, uh, taking stuffing out of shit, taking stuff out of gloves. And they said Tyler Bertuzzi had taken some padding out of his glove before breaking his first hand of the season. Uh, But then at the same time, the last time he broke his hand, the second time, it was with a fully padded glove. Now, he doesn't wear like big old shot blockers. No, but he even and he uses shorter cuffs than normal, too, because that's when he broke his second hand of the season. He got hit on the inner part of the wrist and they're like he was bending his hand, too. So it just was the worst possible spot, honestly. Yeah, but maybe guys should that there you look at that it's like all gloves should have those big ass shot blockers on them yeah you know tough titties pal like you you can learn how to score you're definitely going to have more time to score if on average you're in the game for i don't know like 10 more games a season because you don't go down with a broken broken hand i mean you're not going to be able to prevent this stuff like crazy but there's got to be some sort of equation that you could do after experimenting for like five or so years, right? Make that be the variable next CBA, have the players, you know, kind of like hold them to the fire a little bit and agree to, Hey, you're going to wear some bulkier equipment. That's going to protect your ass, which is going to make the fans see you more often. It's going to protect the integrity of the, the core of the team that the GM had envisioned when he signed fucking everybody right and you're not going to have millions of dollars sitting on the injury shelf because your dumbass decided to take the fucking finger padding out of your hockey glove <laughs> and jump in front of a 105 mile slap shot you know or we could we they could change the puck and make the puck really really light <laughs> no one gets hurt at all right yeah, yeah. make it a nice basketball yeah, racquetballs. Right. So they'll lose the swords and then <laughs> go straight racket. to racquetballs. I mean, I was reading that, that they practice uh, blocking shots. Some teams practice blocking shots with soft pucks because yeah. it's about timing and shit. And I would think that that's been so prevalent and relevant for so long now that, yeah, you would want guys practicing shot blocking. I mean, at this well, rate, yeah. I would say no one's going to reach the NHL having not done that before in your previous higher leagues. But I don't know. I don't know if it's less likely to be done in, you know, more less enforcing, less physical European leagues or something like that. But yeah, there, there's there's timing. Yeah, I'd be surprised if shot blocking was nearly as prevalent in European hockey. Yeah, well, I don't know. Someone when we do our call in segment, someone from the KHL can tell us that shit. Right. Maybe, we'll maybe Zelensky talked about that in Congress today. I'm sure. Yeah, he mentioned something about uh shot blocking in the Russian league, but uh, right. Yeah. So I would say it's definitely worth a look having some equipment in, you know, the integral spots on the body of these hockey players, bigger pads on the gloves, um, maybe taller cuffs up to the wrist having the mandatory shot blockers on the skates, both on the tongue and sides of the boot, more padding underneath the, uh, yeah, I I can, I can feel my hockey bag getting heavier as I say this stuff. Right. So I totally understand the trepidation of a player not wanting to do that. But if 
it's just a level playing field if everyone in the league has to abide by it, right? So if you do that, then it's just the same difference, except guys are getting hurt less, at least when it comes to pucks. It's just hard to imagine having a rule like that mandated league-wide. They have visors. Can't take your visor off anymore after a year. There's going to be a time when there's no guys left who don't wear half shields. But I think the percentage of guys who already wore shields versus guys that didn't is way higher than guys that would prefer the NHL tell them how to wear their pads than guys that wouldn't. Well, maybe, dude, I, I, I totally agree with you, but can you can see this getting into like lockout territory? Oh, absolutely. If they and go back stuff. and forth so much where it's yeah. like, okay, how about this one? We can't mandate the way you wear your equipment. However, since it's our money that you are collecting while being injured because you chose, if, if that happens to be the scenario, like if we do the research and or the investigation, find out that that shot that hit you in the hand broke your hand and we find out that your glove on that hand was under par with the league's uh, requested mandate padding wise uh we don't fucking pay you that portion of your time i don't know you know like that you yeah, got to incentivize you gotta, there's, while they're injured there's carrots and sticks and i i'm really happy that there's a um, a union don't ever get me wrong on that the players union yeah. is vital and extremely important but i mean i don't know it's a it's a rich topic and as a selfish fan all of the things that need to be ironed out in the NHL like this, I don't want them to talk too in depth about it and therefore not fix it at all, probably because it can lead to a lockout. Yeah. And those are the worst goddamn things ever as, as we've experienced in the past. Right. Never want to break out the lockout song ever again. I, Oh yeah, dude, (laughs) I should do that just so I can say, I remember it. You know how many songs I've written and I have no fucking idea. Oh yeah. That's where they went. I mean, I have instruments that I don't even know where they are. <laughs> I <laughs> seriously, it's not just like an errant sock over here. Right. I mean, I, I used to own yeah. like a ukulele and I you don't lost. know where it is. And I Your also ukulele. don't know how it got to the point where I don't know where it is. Well, it disappeared in the wash. That's how I was washing it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it, I put one in the and. Elf. The elf the came elf. and stole it. Ukulele yeah. elf. Yeah. 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 So he put the u- <laughs> the uke on the shelf. That's gone now. So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, I don't want shot blocking to die down. I don't want players to be considered too important uh, to scoring to where they don't block shots. There are a few things that get fans more revved up and excited and appreciative than a good, you know, minute and a half penalty kill segment where your team is now limping. Yeah. All of them collectively because they were jumping in front of a bunch of shots. I mean, it's, it's electrifying that goals fights uh, a nice big open ice body check and collectively blocking shots. Uh, just gets fans rolling and it's a great way to to gain motivation as a team like we said yeah absolutely 
take on, uh, you know, minds of their own. And if you want to sway that said mindset of the game, block some fucking shots, man. But uh, nothing sucks worse than watching a guy doing a routine block and going out because he's not up to date with the times, which Eric, like you said, the pads have never been less ready for the amount of shot blocking that's required out of players. Right. So they've got to bridge that gap a little bit, I think. Yeah. And it's interesting because you would think that as a player, you would want to stay in for as long as possible and not miss large periods of time because of some one shot that took you out for six weeks. So, yeah, but you don't like wearing that glove because right. you can't quite get that snapper off. I mean, yeah. So you got to pick your you know, poison. What's more readily available as a solution? Is it to get better at blocking shots or just stop doing it all together, which basically isn't an option anymore mm-hmm. or add some padding and get used to it and then be fine. Cause otherwise, right. yeah, you're going to miss time with injuries. Cause if you add all the padding, you don't have to get better at blocking the shot and you can right. keep <laughs> It'll like do the more on just turning sideways yep. into it yeah. where it hits you right on the inside of the knee yeah. Or a nice juicy spot where you don't have any padding on the inside of your ankle or something like that. So that is a point <clears throat> that, yeah, maybe teams, I don't know behind the scenes, are they routinely practicing shot blocking? But perhaps they should because you do see that. You say, well, this young man, he's turning funny into that shot block and that's the reason he's hurt. And Why would he do that? Well, maybe they need to right. work on it. It seems so readily common that maybe you don't need to practice it but it always shocks me when i find out that guys go on some like a team will go on a huge stretch where they drop three on three ot all the time or they go to shootouts and they can never fucking score right yeah and they go oh after 17 straight shootout losses over the last three fucking seasons uh they've now started working on shootouts at the end of practice like what the You're on the, Uh, you live on the ice. Like, why would you you not not spend a little time doing a little bit of every aspect of the game? I mean, come on, get a little bit of magic. Just be, be responsible, you know, hockey participants practice three on three practice shootouts and practice blocking shots. You can always be better at that shit. Well, I know a handful of teams in the league do practice blocking shots, but I can almost guarantee that the Red Wings don't. (laughs) <laughs> and we do a good job of it. we just seem to really lose guys it seems like certain guys are really good at it and then yeah i don't know if it's just positioning in general or like you said turning your body at the wrong moment to where you catch it on the back of the leg instead of the front where all the padding is but for some reason we're just more prone to injuries from blocking shots and it doesn't yeah it doesn't add up but then again a lot of other teams in the league are going through the same thing. So yeah, I think it does come down to just padding in general. Yeah. Cause not all injuries are going to be based off getting hit with a puck, but the ones right. that are perhaps can be addressed and maybe they can do something about it by making the padding a little bit more uh, extensive and to the player's chagrin or not. That's the way you talk them into doing something that you want is you threaten this and then they say no and then you get nowhere and then there is no contract and then there's no season. And then there's a new song. Yeah, well, Mm -hmm. you have to write it on that ukulele. (laughs) 
there's there's still a little corner in that washing machine. I don't I don't think I checked. Uh, oh, okay. Deep <laughs> enough. You know, that's probably that's so. where your ten thousand dollars went too. I'll give that a shot. Nice. I really have nothing else to say. Yeah, I think we should end it right there. There. <laughs> right there? <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. There. Why would you-